and welcome to Orthopraxis Podcast. This is James O'Farron and Robbie Teamy. Say hello, Robbie. Hi, guys. And this is our 20th episode. Good Lord, 20th episode. And our fourth in our series on you guys and girls and how we get along or don't. And so we're going to be talking about marriage and covenants and how those relate to all of this. We talked last episode about how to get married or, you know, how to not get married. I suppose it's probably closer to what we talked yeah, about. Guys and girls pre-marriage. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that part. Yeah, that. And now we're talking about guys and girls in marriage. Um, and to do that, we brought on a married couple. Again, calling up the experts, you know. Yes. So we have Azriel, a returning guest. This is, the, I think this is a momentous episode, people. This is our first time having a returning guest. And of course, it's Azriel. So Azriel was with us first time for our episode on Ipman, which is an, episode, an excellent episode, if I do say so myself. I love that one. And now he's going to be helping us talk about marriage. It's a slight deviation. Depending on your marital status, you, you you know martial arts may or may not be included in your marriage <laughs> <laughs> aspects. And with him is his wife Fiona. So say hello, peoples. Thank you for having me back. That was some. I know I went very far afield with all the Eastern elements and stuff. So the fact that Love I'm it. back, I'm just still honored. So. <laughs> <clears throat> and Fiona, you want to say something? She's looking at me, going, "Cut, cut, cut." <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to the nice people. <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> Great to have you. So this is also the first time we've had four people on our episodes at a time. So we'll see how that goes. You have hard enough chaos with two of us, and then we're multiplying that. So <laughs> the square of chaos, I suppose. But we'll have some fun while we're at it. Uh, so just laying some groundwork, we aren't going to really be talking about all of the stuff that goes into how to have a good marriage or how to raise kids, particularly for that matter. That's a whole another ball of wax. And we'll probably want to pull in somebody who's at least twice her age to help out with that. <laughs> yes. Somebody who may have some more expert advice on raising children and doing the married thing for more than, you know, a few years in a row. <laughs> but, yes. We're on a winning streak so far, but yes. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> we want some little more experience before we dive into but that. But that's like me. I plan to be immortal. So far, so good. <laughs> fair point. Fair point on that. <laughs> so like C.S. Lewis said, you have never met a mere mortal. So I think we're all actually doing well on that one. <laughs> but our focus will instead be more on what is marriage? Because that is a controversial subject nowadays. And something which the Bible actually has quite a bit to say, um, quite a bit more to say than about how to get married. He has to say about what marriage is and why it is. So we'll be diving into some of the really awesome pieces about how we glorify God through our lives, living it out specifically in marriage. Yep. So Ravi, start us off with our first scripture verse. So the first one that came to my mind was, the verse it I learned it a long time ago. I think it was one of the guys at my church in California. He was going to Bible college and he learned this saying it's Matsa Isha Matsutov, which is the first half of Proverbs 18:22, which is whosoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, which 
he who finds a wife finds a good thing, which it's is saying that women the are general, the, <laughs> which is a good general summarization of the Bible's view of marriage. <laughs> yes. Being married is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it means that God has shown favor to you. It's marriage a is a miracle. The, yeah. Yes. The marriage is a gift from God and it's kind of the way God created us to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the default state um, right. that other relationships are built off of. Yes, uh, we were talking which is about, why in the creation yeah. story, God, the first thing God does after he creates man is he gives man work so that man will realize that man's not good alone. Mm-hmm. You know, man catching up with what God already knows. And then God creates a wife for him <clears throat> yes. that the two may reflect the image of God together. Yes. You know, something that um, I haven't actually dived into this. This is kind of more of a bit of speculative trivia currently, at least as far as research I've done so far, uh, is that when it talks about um, the the rib that God took the wife from, right, uh, it's not actually strictly the, you know, the piece of bone that we think of as a rib. Because every other time it's translated in scripture, it's translated as like a side, like the whole side. Um, and so it's possible that the picture that God has there is literally God ripping Adam in half and then reforming the rest of him and then Eve out of the other half. And so the sense of total equality and then being brought together again in um, unity, which I find absolutely fascinating and quite a bit metal. <laughs> Just a little. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of aspects to this of how marriage is a picture of different pieces of God. And and these, we we, we approach God and his presence and his truth through marriage in, in a great many ways. And I think that's part of why it's a good thing. That's why we are blessed in marriage is because we're entering so close to the truth of who he is and how he functions in the world through it um so Azriel and fiona what are your thoughts as we're just starting out here a little bit about what is your experience with marriage ben and how you see it and how it impacts your relationships with god wow that's uh, <laughs> you know the nice easy stuff <laughs> yeah thanks thanks for serving that really uh, <laughs> yeah yeah gently across the plate there but first of all um <laughs> That was my evil laugh. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first, I just think it's it's really cool. I need to anything you got on that about it actually being half of Adam. I'd like to see that because that's cool. Because it's like totally, yeah. You know, that's that's a statement almost of this is it, but other, you know. Yes. Um. So that's kind of cool. Um. But mm, marriage for us has been, huh? <laughs> There's a whole spin on the help that is meat or fitting for him, like two pieces fitting together when it's literally two halves fitting together. Right. Well, and, and, and that carries over in the Greek mindset of soulmate. So, yep. you know, however perverse that got over the time, it still carries. But mm-hmm. um, marriage for us has been unorthodox, <laughs> to say the very least. Um all of our life has been unorthodox. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. We basically had two extremely unorthodox lives that the Lord just would not let not be one. Mm. Um, and we were 
if anybody did a compatibility test or anything like that, there's no reason or rhyme on human <laughs> understanding this should have worked. I can empathize there. <laughs> yeah, but, but some, somehow, you know, here we stand. So, I mean, for us, we met under crazy circumstances when we were young and dumb. And uh, <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> I didn't speak so, um, and then, I mean, we broke up and not in a good way. And I went off and gallivanted around the world, actually. Um, came back and she was still here and she had just been very stubbornly waiting only for me and I had no idea. <laughs> um, and apparently, according to her, she was going to just like, well, if I can't have him, I guess I'll die. <laughs> Drama much. <laughs> 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 like yeah so huh <laughs> the, the Scottish stubborn yeah. streak <laughs> <laughs> so but that I mean there was and then it was just through a dramatic series of events we just kind of were like hey let's just get married and then we did <laughs> was, you know, there was no great I mean we got married and then we went on our first date um, <laughs> we do we like to do things backwards <laughs> Yeah. So um, let's see, what else did we do backwards? We did that. And then we, um, we went to our first movie after we got married together. Uh, yeah, we were married here and then we went to our first movie together. Um, but I mean, honestly, well, the thing that kind of bonded us together first was the fact that we both had very strong belief that God had something specific ministerial wise that he wanted us to do. And I'll be perfectly honest, I had no idea what ministry meant at the time. I had a lot of influence from uh, my background growing up and so on as to what that even looked like. Um, and then, you know, part of part of my journey is the fact that I absolutely disagreed with my family almost entirely on theology for mm. a time. And I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to scrap everything I, everything I know, period, and build build again. Because, you know, the God that I had how do I say this? Like third hand accepted. Like, I don't, this isn't the God that I was portrayed. Like it's not the God that was spoken of, but it was the way that I perceived the information I was getting in a third hand way. Um, if that makes any sense, but yeah, totally. so I'm like, I'm going to scrap it. You know, I, I consider that I was agnostic for a while. God was there, but I really didn't care for him. And I really didn't think he cared for me either. Mm -hmm. um, and I really had no interest in knowing who he was because it was just, I was just too angry. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, God worked I'm, all that out. I'm seeing some parallels between your relationship with God and your relationship with Fiona. <laughs> yeah, and largely, well, actually, I was agnostic when, when we were broke up. That's, <laughs> that's when all that kind of happened. So early marriage was a very interesting time. Um, <laughs> we loved each other, but we didn't know much about really life or each other. And so it was kind of also thrown directly into a mission, uh, not missions exactly, but a mission. So we were kind of forming our relationship and our beliefs and what we were raised to believe and what we thought we believed and what each other believed and how that meshed together and then meshing just regular life together and then our <clears throat> vision and passion for, well, helping others. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really what we came to was the fact that that's just kind of how God's built us is that we're there to be service to those who can't 
help themselves. And we did not know what that meant. And Fiona is extremely correct in the fact that we built our relationship around a mission. And there was a lot of stuff that I know now that I hurt her on because the mission came first Mm. and she was just basically the power cell to that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and it wasn't until probably within the last two years that I actually started understanding like just how much that of a drain and a strain that was on her to be like, Hey, I'm just kind of like a fuel cell to this idea of a mission. Well, yeah, but I mean, and, and, and she was fully on board with it. That was the thing. I mean, she just was like, okay, here we go, you know, strap in boots on guns out. And, um, but you know, it's just, there was no real relationship. There was, there was, each of you were dying to the mission, but not to each other. Right. 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 Which actually will put background to that actually, because yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in more detail but yeah go on cool yeah no just i was gonna say oddly because god there's no waste in the kingdom of heaven oddly god in that thing it became like we were gunfighters back to back and the stronger that the outside forces came in with the deeper we got into what we were doing as a mission which was counter human trafficking and mm-hmm. and just everything that entailed it actually created its own relationship for us until one day it was just like we kind of like we turned around at each other like oh yeah we're married yeah i mean it like super fused us together and then later we had time for the more fun and relaxed side of a relationship when you're not like in survival mentality yeah yeah so i always i always look at it as like we were in the situation where yeah it was the gunfighter thing we just we got hemmed in on every side until the point where we're back to back and just being back to back meant you know was enough to push the point home we're like hey we're married we're in this together so You know, there's something that I talk about in my coaching um, about relationships and um, communication, because I think this relationality is like a fundamental part of maturity and the underlying framework that all of our life is built on. And but one of the practical pieces of that is that when you are in a defensive or threatened mindset, right, Um, things biologically, your amygdala is firing. Um, the adrenaline in your system kind of thing. Uh, it actually, your brain physically shuts off the parts of your brain that um, do creativity, learning, and connection. Hmm. So you actually physically can't think creatively, think out of the box, or think for other people. You're purely defensive, and you get the fight, flight, freeze, appease pattern. Um, and so in order for you to break out of that and actually connect with people and find a win-win solution, uh, you have to short circuit that and move out of a defensive mindset into a um, value-based mindset. But what's interesting is like you can think of that in like a uh, acute situation where like there's something really dangerous happening right now. Somebody just insulted me to my face and I had to figure out how to build something in this business meeting kind of situation. But there's also like a chronic sense of a pattern of behavior and perception that is defensive, right? Like a survival mindset, like you were describing. And so when you're in that survival long-term, then it inhibits our capacity to connect to each other meaningfully, to inhibits our creative, it like literally inhibits our intelligence actually too. (laughs) Um, They demonstrated that, which is really fascinating. Um, But it, it, it creates this pattern of defensiveness and God wants us to work communally, to work together and so, so talking about that like if you're fighting 
defensively in, in survival mode against all this stuff. And then once you're able to find some time to quiet, like you have to turn around and see each other, like, oh, wow, wait, we're married. Um, and then being able to really build on that shared experience I suppose you could say even trauma <laughs> um, <laughs> and build off of that common ground in a sense uh, is, is, is a powerful story of us when we're thinking about you know how this images like every unique person in every relationship is unique and those stories that come together into marriages are unique and each one has like a little, little fragment of the glory of God in it. And so, you know, looking at that and seeing how God worked his glory of showing a picture of how we relate to him through your guys' relationship is really interesting because we do that all the time. Like we'll like be defensive and fighting against, you know, you know, it could be anything. It could be an addiction. It could be, you know, somebody who's down and out, you know, struggling as a, a homeless person and he's in a constant defensive survival mindset. And then, Something comes along, gives them a breath of opportunity to turn and actually see God relationally and communally uh, and actually like, wait, God's been here this whole time and he's been with me. He's been taking care of me. I haven't really seen it, but I couldn't have been here without him. And that builds a relationship with him. So I think that's yeah. like, it's a really beautiful picture um, in, in our brokenness, <laughs> in our rebellion, and which is like, there's no perfect marriage. Um even even the marriage of the, of the church in Christ, there is not perfect in the sense because, you know, the church is not perfect. <laughs> and interestingly, that ties into a point we have later on about marriage as martyrdom. Yes. And the fact that the church through the martyrdom was tied, was forced to rely more and more on Christ. Yep. And in the same way as marriage goes through struggles and hardships, it brings the husband and wife closer and closer together. Mm -hmm. And that's like a cool mirroring and yeah, image totally. in there. Totally. Yeah. yeah I'm no, that. And, I mean, and, and 100% on that. And I hate to be laissez-faire as it were with it, but I mean, yes, God being involved in it and stuff, but it, I mean, the our favorite film and the one we watch on our anniversaries now is Mr. and Mrs. Smith, because that's kind of what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, because because I mean, like the first time that I took her out, and this is when we were already like basically engaged, you know, I was involved in a lot of crap, if I can put it that way. And it's just for me, sharing, and Robbie's gonna laugh because he knows me, <laughs> sharing is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, and so for her, it was just like she'd find out things, and as time would go on, and it was just like stuff that I was involved with, stuff that I had done this kind of thing and i'm not you know i'm not talking about like necessarily like i'm not talking anything about like oh i've got a kid in, in maui or anything like that. i'm talking right. like things i was engaged without doing other organizations and so forth um that put a tremendous strain on who we were as a couple mm -hmm. you know and so i mean in, in a lot of ways that our our you know our relationship did kind of mirror mr mrs smith a little bit but, <laughs> i mean that's you know, and, and so for us, it's always been great. And, and my point in that is saying that it's really great because I almost feel like this way that we did it, where we feel like it was kind of an inverted issue is we're just now getting to the honeymoon stage. <laughs> that's awesome. Us. So, yeah, it's that's yeah. 
That was my and saying, let me just point out right now that you are one of the most unreasonably lucky men in your in the woman who decided to love you. Because yeah, yeah, you yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna own that with a side of steak sauce, bro. Totally. <laughs> I and I think I told you this like the second day after I met her. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. That's that's when you were coaching me by the ring. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. All right, so before we dive into the different, we have like a list of different facets of marriage and we can really circle back and dive into a lot of these different pieces in detail and kind of bring up um, some other stories that we've heard as illustrations. But one other piece that's kind of underlying and fundamental to the concept of marriage is, as we mentioned earlier, the created order uh, and how God, if you look at how God created, first he created ex nihilo, out of nothing, out of the unformed chaos. He shaped by his word, the universe matter, time, space, energy, light. And then he, out of those, created the next few things. And then out of those things, created the next things. Like he he shaped earth, and then he out of the earth, he created the animals, and so on. And then out of dust, he made man. And then out of himself, he directly, personally breathed into man. Man became a living soul. And that's unique, right? And super special. That's why we're not just an animal. Have a lot, we physiologically have a lot in common with animals, but we are not animals because of that unique um order that he gave us and then he called us into a role as imagers of him right as a role that we have and then as we mentioned he split us apart made us two that is one as a mankind is made of two uh male and female and then reunited us together again in marriage and instituted marriage uh so that in that as we become one flesh through that as we leave the end of our, our progenitors, we be bonded to each other and, and one flesh. We'll go into more detail on that later. But then out of that relationship, he then refocused his creative acts. He's, you know, he stopped creating new animals and, you know, new land masses and new planets. He'd already done all that. Then he focused on out of that relationship with the family. You know, he created the families of the earth. And then out of the families, he created nations. And then out of one of those nations, he created the first proto-church, in a sense, of the Congregation Assembly of Israel. And then out of that, he created the church triumphant to the ages, the, uh, the kingdom of heaven that fills the earth. Um, and then out of that, he's going to create the new, you know, the, the, final, the final recreation of all things um, is, is going to be um, completed at the end. But he builds out of what was already there. But what's fascinating is that marriage is the first building block of his development of relationships, of all the different institutions that he created, whether it's government or the church or all these different pieces of ways in which we relationally fulfill his commands. They're all built off of the atom of the family, which is marriage at its most fundamental definition. So this is not just, you know, a piece of paper, <laughs> a contract, you know, that we get into for a tax break. Uh, this is a transcendent and holy calling of God that is fundamental to the entire functioning of the cosmos. That's how important and cool this is. It's amazing. So yes, the fact that this is the institution that God chose to portray in Christ's relationship with the church in yeah. the story that he has been telling throughout all of creation. That's the picture of the culmination. This yeah. is, this is the high point. 
and yep. we're drawing and every marriage is pointing towards the coming reconciliation where God make brings creation back out of rebellion into himself. Amen. All right. So the first slice, the first fast that we want to kind of dive into is that this is a covenant. It's a divine covenant um, where we are creating something that's not just simple, a contract. If I do this, then you do that. Or a, you know, a, an agreement, like a business contract. Uh, this is a covenant that creates a new reality. Uh, there's something new is born out of this ritual, which I want to briefly comment as far as terminology goes. Tradition and ritual are not the same things. Um, a tradition is a, uh, a repeated set of actions that communicate a set of ideas from one generation to the next is how I would define a tradition. Uh, in, in that kind of culture where you're trying to communicate a culture from one generation to the next, you use traditions to do that. A ritual is an interface between physicality and spirituality. It's like an interface, like an API between the two realities. Um, and it helps make the one. So it's something that you do physically, which has a spiritual effect. And that effect can be, you know, opening insight or, um, you know, creating a new relationship. You can rich, you know, uh, Israel was ritually created as a new nation called out of Egypt um, by Passover. That was a ritual that actually did that specifically. Uh, we are made one with God through communion, through the Eucharist, for example, as a ritual. Um, the sacrifices, the, the, the atoning sacrifices ritually did something spiritually that made it, um, that um, atoned for um, sin so that the effects, effects would not hinder us from coming to the presence of God, so on. So these are all things that happen. Uh, marriage, the, the wedding ceremony is a ritual that creates a new reality. These two people yes. become one flesh in a, in a fundamentally real way. And it has physical you know, manifestations. You can you can measure <laughs> oxytocin shifts, <laughs> right? You can there's, there's there's physical changes that happen as a result. But the spiritual the, 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 we, were, we were talking about in the pre-show how uh, God is spirit, and He's the most real thing that there is. And the physicality of our world is merely a shadow of the spiritual reality. What is more real is the spiritual side of things, and so it's not like we're doing something physical and there's like a symbolic picture that has um, intellectual significance. There's actually something spiritual that actually happens that we then see effects of in the physical world. So that's the first thing that this covenant happens, creates one out of two. Right. Which you can see in Genesis 2, 23 through 25. Yeah. And Joel amazes me. Yes. Just, I mean, the, the, like we discussed in the in the pre-show, and I don't want to steal anybody's thunder if this is coming later. I don't know. So tell me, say, shut up. We're doing this later. Um, <laughs> I've had it. No, no. Just like we had discussed, it's like creation itself is constantly in, a, in uh, replicating and and yeah. diversifying itself, um, breaking into pieces. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like entropy. Sometimes in good There's, sense, sometimes in a bad sense, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, in both, and but you know. Um, you get mountains that turn to rocks, that turn to pebbles, that turn to dust, mm -hmm. um, and then are into the earth and reheated, and the process begins again. Mm -hmm. But 
only with creations in, in God's image, really. And I mean, obviously, with, with animals, there's an element of this, but it, it lacks the triune nature that, that humans have, mm-hmm. is the fact that two produce one. Um, you have two entities that come together. And actually, in, in considering it a little bit further, you know, you can't have life without God. So in reality, it's a triune effort. You know, you have yep. the husband, the oh. wife, and then the spirit of God giving life to create this singularity, this, this one human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the way that God replicates himself and the way that he first created man, where it was a triune effort to create man in our image. Yeah. is something that I've, you know, you almost, you almost tremble if you think about it in that light, because it's the foundation, the building block of creation. When God was saying, let there be, mm. and let us create and we, you know, it's just yeah. so much a part of our mundane existence now and that we, we lose that element where our physicality is both a spiritual symbol and a reality. Yes, because God doesn't just create patterns in symbols that are just mere metaphors. He writes the picture of his ineffable essence in the fabric of reality itself. Right. He's, he's woven pictures of himself throughout all of creation so that anywhere you look whether how big you look at the sky or how small you look at the microscope everything screams the glory of god and the and crowning through crown of all that is deafness <laughs> that we can miss it <laughs> yes. yeah yes but yeah and that brings us around again to genesis chapter two the end after god has created man God saw that man was that it was not good for man to be alone. So mm-hmm. God gives man a job to do. He tells him to look at all the sheep and cattle and everybody and give all the animals their names. And Adam realizes that all of the animals have one of their own, mm-hmm. except for him. Mm-hmm. Then God puts Adam to sleep. God creates a, a, the woman out of the side of the man. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up. Adam and brings the woman to him. And then Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And it's interesting. Just it popped back into my head. Verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. It's the first, at least as far as I understand it, it's the first non-linear story portion in there. It's not part of the story. It's it's commentary almost thrown in there because it's not directly related to Adam and Eve because Adam didn't have a father and mother to leave that he was going to cleave to his wife. Yeah, I was but it's like it's like the first teaching point ever in the Bible. And it's like, by the way, the first teaching point is about marriage and how marriage works. (laughs) That the man leaves his family (laughs) and there's a new thing that happens. He leaves his father and mother, cleaves, clings on to his wife, and the two become a new thing. Not new things, a <laughs> new thing, singular. <laughs> it's unbelievable. 
And it's yeah. it's and just it incredible up. that God puts this emphasis on the relationship between a man and his wife in these two becoming one. And now what's interesting is that he's talking about the man and his wife, and they shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. You see the two of them acting there, right? But then when Jesus references back to this, right? He quotes this, this passage and then he says, therefore what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So he's like attributing this action of the man and the wife cleaving together to God, like God's doing that. It's not them doing it. It looks like it's them doing it, but it's actually God doing the miracle of making them one flesh. That's why it's a covenant. Like God's actually, God's the one, like you do the ritual, you do the physical activity. And then God's the one who actually makes spiritual reality happen. And so that's the actual acting force here, which is why it's transcendent. This is why it's divine. Which why going to the next piece, this is why it's one of the sacraments, one of the holy mysteries of God. Um, This is one of the things that we do spiritually to draw close to God. It's one of the ways that, you know, in Eastern Orthodox terms, is how you bring one of the, one of the, the uh, gateways in a sense of salvation into our life. It's not like this saves you as, and if you don't do it, you don't, you're, you're not going to heaven, but um, this brings the living, the, the life of God into your life, basically. Uh, and it transforms you. And so as we are living out in obedience through marriage, God is working out a miracle in our lives. And it may look like we're doing it. And sometimes it may feel like we're a bit alone, <laughs> but God is the one who's actually doing it behind the scenes. That's a hard, that's a hard lesson to, to wait on. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Which you like is to, uh, partially why it says for the Lord God of Israel says he hates divorce is yeah. because it's not you messing up this contractual obligation you have. Oh, I tried and I failed. That's not what it's about. No, no, no. it's you saying that God messed up. (laughs) And God's not a real fan of puny little humans (laughs) saying he done did it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Another one of the key stories of the Bible. (laughs) People say, hey God, you should have done it this way. And God says, really? <laughs> really? Expound <laughs> on that for a moment. Explain to me how I am wrong. <laughs> yeah, really. You just hear the ominous thunder in the background. Really? Yeah. Uh, Pray tell. Joe. <laughs> yes, Joe. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Azriel or Fiona? Before we move on. The contractual element. She she's like she's playing catch up. She had to go out. We heard suspicious splashing from the uh, other room. Our three year old is out there making soup apparently. Oh so, uh, yes, splashing or silence, neither of which is a good thing. Uh, we had both. We had we had silent splashing. So <laughs> very very dangerous. As long as you don't end up with you know fire crackling or something like that. That's, that's, very, true. that's very true. So that so, was the next step in the soup. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I I don't know. I think there was there's popcorn kernels in there somewhere. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> Exciting. So, so Fiona goes, you take this one, I'll pay you back. Um, okay. <laughs> no, no, just, I, I, I guess just with the covenant idea, um, especially in the West, we're so used to the idea of covenants being no more than something that's contractual. And if we can find a way to get out of it without cost, we will. Yeah. You know, um, that's capitalism. 
you know, mm-hmm. if we can find a way to screw over the other party and walk away the vic- with the most money, it's yay team. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, we look at like a lot of the debates about marriage and like, well, how much, how, what, what are the loopholes for divorce? You know, does it, does, you know, what, what accounts as fornication, you know, and you know, how far can he go? Does it before it actually counts as abandonment um, and therefore qualifies for divorce or all these other little excuses? Like there's all these arguments and like the Pharisees have these same arguments. Like, you know, if she burns your toast, then that's grounds for divorce. Yeah. Uh, according to fill on the roof, evidently. But, <laughs> um, but there's that debate. It's like, you know, we think of these, these contracts where you're looking for all the loopholes and trying to find the way out of it. And that's like the focus of God is like, no, this is a created thing that, yes, it's broken because you're broken, but I'm making something beautiful out of it, no matter how broken it gets. Yeah. Well, and I would dare to speculate that part of part of the many problems within the Western church and its understanding of God is the fact of how we treat marriage, because of our relationship to God is that, you know, obviously there's the king to the slave element and there's the father to the son or to the daughter element. But um, and you guys actually covered that with the whole uh, Song of Solomon thing shortly, you know, my my sister, my love, that thing. Yeah. Um, But there's. There's the element there, too, where, I mean, very strongly, God's relationship to us is that of husband to, to wife. And Probably if we're constantly to do what? I'm sorry. I think, yeah, literally the, the predominant one. That's why he gravitates to the most. Yeah. 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 And, and if if we are of the mindset, even in the church of there's always a way out, there's always a way that the parties can walk away. How do we understand the faithfulness of God to us? How do we understand unending love how do we understand any of those if our only reference point is our society for marriage which says hey this this is just a contract i'll find a way out yeah right which is we've lost the entire point of the book of hosea (laughs) no kidding people don't like it is incredible just (laughs) side tangent just how weird we as a society and it's a human nature thing and a rebellion against god we we're almost intentionally destroying all the pictures God ge- has given us. Mm. Yeah. And it, it and almost so, seems like there's actually like a malevolent force trying to destroy our capacity to perceive God. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that is. Exactly. But yeah, because you we talk about marriage. Marriage, the entire idea behind it, like you guys was were just talking about, is being destroyed in this like seeking to see how close we can get to breaking the picture and then fatherhood Mm -hmm. we've destroyed fatherhood in western culture yeah yeah and well we treat marriage like the story of dorian gray i mean we really do yeah (laughs) yeah and 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 not to be in ravi you gave me a thought i'm sorry so pardon my intrusion here just real quick and i don't mean i don't want to be indelicate so i'm not going to go over far but covenants in the old testament um were sealed with blood and water yeah i mean you think about what consummation of a marriage is that's yep. elements to a marriage blood and water yep. you know yeah so it goes beyond it's the physical elements here like you were talking about it's the you know where the physical manifestation of a spiritual reality which transcends itself yep. exists you're not just writing it down on paper or making a verbal promise this is sealed in with yep. a soul bind as it yeah. were because the life yes. is in the blood right it's, it's life itself you're creating a new life out of that yes totally which 
is probably tied to the whole, um, that's the first Corinthians bit with the whole, when a man becomes one flesh with a prostitute. Right. Yeah. Is you're literally creating that soul Whether mind you as it were. to or not, this is a spiritual reality that is happening. Right. <laughs> this right. is the spiritual, it, this is what spiritually happens when this physical act occurs. Right. Yeah. And that the fact that God was so protective of that because of the spiritual thing that it creates, mm-hmm. which a lot, I know a lot of them in the modern reaction against um, in the modern, in the reaction against be the um, conservatism and against the right. God's created order. There's the whole free sex mentality and the question fundamentally of whether sex really needs to be safe for after marriage or whether marriage is a real thing. It's like, uh, and, and what's, what's <laughs> terrible is that when we argue for that, Right. What what of our arguments for abstinence until marriage? What have it evolved to? We've adopted the world's materialist presuppositions, and we argue that well, sex is better that way. Yeah. Right. Which well, is we'll, we'll uh, argue that no, it's dangerous before, it's safer after, and it's much better, and so you can't really actually have fun with sex outside of marriage. And that's basically what it comes down to. Is it's a self-centered, pleasure-focused thing. Which I mean, on the one hand, yes. Um, if you have a committed relationship over time, you get to know each other way better. And on you the one hand, it's better true. at sex. Yes, but well, on the other that's hand, not the point. <laughs> right. Well, and my and my argument to that has always been: okay, first of all, it's pragmatic. You're basically saying that marriage is means to an end, so you basically reduce the entirety of marriage down to an excuse to get carnal pleasure out of it. Which, yeah. granted, it's great stuff, but you know that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> the uh, but the reality is, is that in scripture. The act of sex is itself marriage. There is no before marriage. When you have sex, right. that is now a seal, a soul seal that is marriage. Right. right. Which you know, so when you have people, other, you know, that's why, you know, rape is such a horrible thing. Um, right. Even like if you have two consensual unmarried people have sex in the Old Testament, right? They're considered betrothed and the, the father has to basically divorce them in order for them right. to not get married. Right. And that's... Right. <laughs> we, we we kind of cringe back from that in our modern sensitivities like what that's ridiculous uh, he's old well, but again they had a better understanding like, oh, of the fullness of time i mean they understood the reality. concept of time itself better mm-hmm. yeah. which jesus even said you know the whole thing about in the fullness of time you know jesus was born and of a woman and so forth it's it's the 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 promise was made back to adam and eve but so you could, you know, in, in a sense, you could make, I mean, you could make several arguments about what time the, the um, betrothal actually took place between God and the church and God and Israel and, and the bride that is and the bride that will be and, and so forth. Right, I mean, technically but, still betrothed, not technically fully married yet. So. Right, right. But I mean, at the same time, if you look at a God who's timeless, time yes. is both, as both the Alpha and Omega, right. there is no time stream to him. Which is we which is why he, he was incarnated, you know, around you know at you know around three BC or so, um, and yet he was before then. He he, was, right. he came as a theophany and walked with Israel for forty years and so on. And he he was part of all these different things. The angel of the Lord appearing, even though he was born <laughs> a couple thousand years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
That is the Time Lord. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Cue the Doctor Who music. Um, but but yeah, no. Within that, it's just it's it's. I think a, a stumbling block a lot of times I feel to to us is the fact that we only view God in terms of our own tiny linear reality when we don't realize that to a yeah. timeless God who created a uh, um, eternal being and eternal soul to mm-hmm. him we're already consummated we're just living through and and that whole picture of mm-hmm. a betrothal is a hint of that it's like there's this waiting period it doesn't mean that the that the reality of the of the marriage is not fully realized in that betrothal the consummation is yet to come so time is just something that we have to live in and, and our relationship grows within that time before the consummation. But as soon as that betrothal occurs, you're as good as married. Right. It's, it's, it's a narrative. Good. The, the passage of time for us is a narrative fiction to help us from not having our heads explode. Thank you. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, so as we're, we're discussing this, talking about it as effectively, you know, imaging the Trinity um, as a sacrament, uh, I want to touch on Ephesians five Um to kind of, you know, back some of this up with some more scripture. Um, and, you know, in Ephesians 5 at the end, it quotes what we just quoted, referencing, you know, Adam. And then, you know, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they two shall be one flesh. And so then this is a great mystery, right? But I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so he's tying it into this. And this is like the, the beautiful, beautiful piece of all of this. Because we have, he ties all these different pieces together. As we're talking about this, you see, you know, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And so that's part of the calling of the husband is to be the savior of the wife, in a sense. Like there's that, there's this, there's this pattern that's set forth there. And you know, as a church is subject to Christ, so the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And then husbands loving their wives. This is where, you know, moving on to the later on come back to it again it is the martyrdom (laughs) loving sacrificially as as christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse at the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that we should be holy without blemish and it's that cleansing from the contamination of sin and so the role of marriage in that sense is a crucible that purges us from sin so that we can enter more closely into the presence of God. And so this is like one of its core functions and which is, you know, the role of sacraments as a whole (laughs) and the role of the church, which is why the family is a small church. It's the little church. It's the the domestic church. It's a smaller picture of the greater reality, just as the church is a smaller picture of the greater reality of Christ. Yep, precisely. It's like the Russian nesting dolls or whatever. Matryoshka dolls. I don't know. Or <laughs> right, the farther, the deeper, and farther you look in it, the more you see the same picture emerging. It's yes. like uh, what is that called? Fractals. Fractals. Love fractals. Yes. Kind of does everything with fractals. Yes. I might do an episode on fractals at some point. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Have I mentioned that I love math? (laughs) End nerd tangent. End nerd tangent. (laughs) End bracket. bracket. (laughs) All right, moving on. So let's dive a little bit into domestic church. What does that look like? Uh, I I heard a story 
of uh, a husband and wife. They went in for marital counseling to their pastor. And um, she was talking, she was complaining that he was, you know, acting, you know, unloving and controlling and domineering all these kinds of things and he's like no i'm just trying to love her and follow christ's commands towards her and all these kinds of things and so uh you know he you know, preaches the word to her and all these kinds of things and, and then she stops up i was like has he told you how he preaches to me he literally sits me on the couch stands over me with the bible and preaches to me like from a pulpit on top of me practically <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh that's probably not the most loving way to do that <laughs> Uh, but like there's this weird distortion of this idea of how the church people like, it's almost too literal but in a bastardized sense almost that yes the husband is you know the bishop of the household in a sense and he is but when, we, when you reduce the function of the church to just preaching right which is a problem in itself then that's going to manifest in the family as just telling each other what to do basically and that's not the role of the crucible of the the hospital that the church in a sense is supposed to be an, an or the um the war stronghold that the church is in conquering mm -hmm. sin and evil in the world i love the idea of the church militant <laughs> yes triumphant through the ages i feel like this is a thing we all all three of us agree on <laughs> probably all four of us Yes. <laughs> Knowing Fiona, I'm oh, pretty yeah, no, sure no, she no. agrees. <laughs> no. Fiona would carry a very large sword with the best of them. <laughs> awesome. So any thoughts might, on that? what is that? She might hit me with the with the pommel a couple times. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it sometimes. <laughs> yes, I do. I, that, that is fair. <laughs> so actually I'm thinking about this because you know, Ravi, your family is practically a church in itself. <laughs> jealousy does not become you sir <laughs> i came from a very similar family so <laughs> we joke that if we move to the other side of the church then the church would start tilting the other way <laughs> anyway you had a question there yeah so because you know we think of you know churches and families and the interact in you know the church assembly but the way in which they interact with the church body as a whole is kind of a function of how of how they act as a church at home, right? Uh, I know my family had you know family worship and Bible time and these things constantly throughout the day, every day, of just acting as a church, educating each other and blessing each other and challenging each other um, throughout our lives, and then so that when we went to you know went to church effectively. We were bringing church with us. We were already part of it. So it wasn't like, you know, something we go into on Sundays. It was part of the rest of our life. Yes. And so, and it kind of tied us in with the other little churches that are also going to church. And we could, you know, then, you know, double check each other, <laughs> you, know, and, right. you know, synergize. And I know our family tended to be more insular than perhaps we should have been. Uh, and so there wasn't as much of that as we could have had. But there was still that strong sense of family I mean, we home church for a while too, as, as a big part of that. So there was that too. But having that living, breathing, sacramental lifestyle as part of your home, as part even just between you and your wife, even before you have children, uh, is, is I think critical for a healthy, um, whole and hale marriage. In yes, that sense. and just just the idea of 
not isolating incidents. Yeah. That, again, a lot of what the podcast is about mm-hmm. is about glorifying God isn't an isolated incident that we do for five minutes on Sunday morning when we do the, quote, worship time. <laughs> it's That's not how God created us to worship him. Yes. God created us to worship him in all of life. And marriage as a whole is designed to bring glory and honor to God by reflecting God and the triune nature of God in the unification of these two people becoming one flesh and showing him to the world around them, reflecting him like the moon does the sun. It's all a reflection and pointing back to Christ and that marriage is the original way God created us to do this. And it's just an interesting anecdote, I guess, or quote is Vody Bauckham. Some people were talking to him about like the blessings of singleness and stuff. And one of them was like, well, Jesus, Jesus was single for all his life. He's like, yes, but he spent his entire life preparing to get married. <laughs> and all of history is the story of Christ getting a bride for himself. Yeah. This is all the courtship process and the <laughs> culmination, the climax of the story. The last chapter of the book is where Christ gets his bride. Yeah. And they ride off into the sunset he created. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, because that is that is something that does aggravate me is when people. Okay, so I love monasticism, but people don't take monasticism as the alternative to marriage. They take secularism as the alternative to marriage. Like, well, I might get married if God calls me to that, which basically means that I find myself inclined to listen to him about it. Um, right. And then they go like, I'll, I'll, I'll settle a career first and I'll do the, all these other more important things and then i'll have fun with the wife kind of thing like no 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 you aren't prepared that's not how this works that's, that's not, not how, how this works, this works. How this works. Yes. right <laughs> um you don't get prepared for marriage marriage is what prepares you for life um and you know going without is like you're you choose a life that cannot be lived well with a wife in a sense if you're if you're going to go without one um so that's where you you go practice your whole life to live singly then when you get married you are you you don't get a career if you don't get a wife (laughs) 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 like you you go be a monastic you go do that uh, and you dedicate yourself to that that's what that's for um but you, you don't get to you know go off and serve yourself in alternative to serving a spouse um which actually, let's let's just jump because we can. Let's just jump over to martyrdom because that goes really segues into that. Um, so this is something that uh, is you know relatively explicit in you know Ephesians five as you know husbands loving wife as Christ gave the church and gave himself for it. But it's also in First Corinthians seven at the very beginning about where we our bodies don't belong to each other; they belong to our spouse. Um, in, in a very literal, like that's like. This is explicit. This is how it works. It's not like you you uh, option it off to the, to them. Like you know, I'll do things that you like when I want to, kind of thing. It's like no, you don't have a choice. By marrying, you gave the choice to them, right? 
And so as, but because it's mutual, because it's synergistic, it balances out. And so there's not abuse when done properly. When you are submitted in humility to each other, then it actually precludes abuse. It, it actually is antidote to it. Um, but you explicitly belong to each other. You're sacrificing yourself for each other. And this is recognized um, in you know, many of the church fathers as a form of martyrdom, which when you think about martyrdom as, you know, as witness and what kind of, how do we witness to the glory of God uh, through our sacrifice of things that are less than him, things that other people would cling to, things that other people would say, this is most important to me. And you go, that's nothing compared to God. And so I'm giving it up. And so we, we, there's actually like three categories historically of martyrdom, where there's the martyrdom of um, you know, repentance, where you're giving up sin, and there's martyrdom of you know, asceticism, where you're giving up things that aren't sin, um, but are, you're, they're good, but you're giving them up for something better. So like fasting, <laughs> right? Um, giving up you know, your own appetites. And then there's the final martyrdom of martyrdom, giving up your very life. Um, you're resisting unto blood against sin. And you give up your life for Christ. Mm -hmm. And so marriage, living out marriage falls into, uh, well, the first two of those two, um, because, you know, you have to give up your sin in order to get along with each other. <laughs> you expose <laughs> your sins very aptly and quickly. If, if you find yourself blind to your sin, you just ask your spouse and they'll help you out. That's <laughs> uh, one of their very useful functions. <laughs> um, uh, in kindness and charity, but <laughs> but then also there's just in the practical sense of you know what side of the bed are you going to get up on, or what kind of food you're going to eat, or when, or you know where you want to live, or what kinds of pets you're going to have, and you know little things like that uh, become big things when there's conflict, when there's like people have different opinions or things that their passions, their preferences are, and you have to work out what am I giving up, how am I sacrificing myself. Or the other person to make to make them better and closer to Christ. And so that's where martyrdom enters into this. I don't have anything to add to that. So <laughs> I, I was waiting. We well, actually well uh, said. Huh? <laughs> well, well said. Okay. Well said. Moving on. <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> no, I was. Um, our we, we again going back to that being very eclectic with uh <laughs> with our relationship there was there was no real it was almost like we were competing with each other as to who could do the most for the other and i will say that uh fiona decidedly won <laughs> <laughs> um but there was there was yeah i there was definitely i like early on in in our marriage i i was like like i'm not going to be that guy who thinks he is all that and sliced bread and just think that I've got this married thing down. So I would come to her and I'd say, look, you know, we had a dinner or something. And I'd say, so what do I need to work on this week? You know, what, what do you think I should work on? You know, how am I not, how am I not living up to expectations or whatever else? Mm -hmm. And she'd look at me and she'd go, there's nothing. <laughs> she, she, you're doing great. You know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. And of course, Ain't after, she just the sweetest thing. Lying right. Like well, that. then, well, then, I'm like, after <laughs> this, after this, I'm kind of like thinking, oh, okay. Well, I guess there's nothing. I got this. I got this very thing down. <laughs> so, 
little did I know <laughs> that I mean for her she was she was literally trying to basically adapt herself to me uh. and so it was in her head it was like there's nothing wrong with you anything that needs to be changed needs to be changed on my level mm. and me being the masculine male who doesn't understand female speak very well uh first <laughs> coming in cold and again you know you gotta understand in context i mean this is us still doing our our mission so this is like us <laughs> yeah so yeah so after two months being married this is us like literally like wiping gunpowder off of our lips as we're reloading and i turn around oh by the way uh should i take you on dinner or something you know and while everybody's <laughs> And then it's like, oh, wait, sorry, hold that thought. And then bang, you know, okay, all right, sorry, where were we? And, <laughs> and so it was only later that I learned, like, crap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I'll, I'll see what, I, I want to see what she has to say about that or anything. Because, yeah. I mean, she's, she's just like, you know, there was never anything wrong. It, like, took pulling teeth to get her to say, well, this kind of irritates me and stuff. And now we're in a better place where we just kind of talk, you know, we just talk it out midway through and it's great. She'll be like, you know what? This really annoys me. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'll fix it. You know, so. To be fair, you didn't really have any annoying habits. Like you said, you didn't leave your socks around and things like that. So. Very handy. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I, I, I at least had, well, I was slightly regimented just from my own living. Stress, <laughs> stress conditions. Yes. Uh, I mean. I, I, I'd walk in my sleep uh, and you'd think I would be awake. I'd, you know, do, I don't know. Yeah, I think about yeah, and she didn't know. She thought I was actually up, like, walking out of the house at night. Like, it made sense. Yeah, for her it made sense. She's not like, where are you going? You know? And so for us, it was almost like a weird, I mean, going back to, to the whole thing of martyrdom, it's like we were, like, living sacrifices and we just didn't know why. <laughs> It was just a bunch of altars and knives and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it just, but it was just, it was almost like we just accepted it. Well, I don't, I don't think either of us really came in with expectation. I think that was part of what made it work was we were already to the point where we came to it bearing our cross as it were, because we, we had an expectation. Yeah, I mean, to us, yeah, we came to it willing to part with everything we had because we both were mission-minded when we came to it and this was about sacrifice and serving god and so our mindset was already that we were willing to make whatever cost we'd already considered the cost marriage was just part of the grand scheme of things it wasn't an end of anything so mm -hmm. yeah what so she, she i don't know i missed that message i'll hear about Go it later no. No. <laughs> so um but anyway, so I, I, it's just, it was really, really unique, but, but talking about martyrdom, there was definitely that element. I just don't think we realized hmm. what was happening in our relationship until years later. It's funny how God gives us lessons and then afterwards says, oh, by the way, you learned this. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I did. <Wow. laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's funny because like in my own marriage, you know, my, my wife and I are like, polar opposites as far as personality goes which we've intentionally walked into that from a perspective of us being uh, complementary to each other rather than contradictory and so that's been a tremendous boon uh, for us of being able to speak about and communicate about openly well you know this is where i'm coming from they go okay yeah that makes no sense but okay that makes sense <laughs> it's you 
but yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, and being able to, I, I call her, she's like the kite. She's a string to my kite and <laughs> grounds me in reality when I go all over the place and carry the chaos ideas and, you know, pins me down, makes me have schedules and calendars and all that stuff. <laughs> and as an instant there, I yes. <laughs> um, like what's interesting is is that like one of the things that I've had to like encourage her in is nagging me because you know she always kind of she, her personality tends to be one that gravitates nicely towards nagging in a sense, but it was kind of her family was like it was you know very very frowned on so she like has like stifle and kind of kill that side of herself because her family was very passive aggressive, and then now it's like well I kind of need somebody to nag me in order to, for me to get anything done. <laughs> I need somebody to frequently remind me of things and like because I, I get distracted and so i, I asked her it's like can you remind me of helping out because i heard so a way that you should like, how can i help I'm like well here's a way you can help it's like wait you want you want me to nag you i'm like yeah very helpful awesomeness <laughs> and she's like i'm not even sure if i know how to do that anymore <laughs> and so she like try but she's like comes at it from a very like you know you know the 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 uh tech husband type wife kind of thing and not like that um it's very loving and helping to remind me of things and bringing it up. And because she's kind of cautious about it and uncertain in, in a sense, and I have, I, I am explicitly asking for it. It actually is very helpful and, and, and very um, healing in a sense. And it is part of that synergy, but it's like, it's a dying to herself uh, or of herself to help in that way. And it's dying of myself. I was saying, you know, I need help here. This is something that I need help in. And this is, you know, submitting to her reminding me of things that I need to do. And so it's that, that mutual balance there is just a really uh, cool way that we've developed in my shirt. <laughs> um, even though it's challenging. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yes, Ravi, you might need uh, Cora to uh, book you a few times about stuff. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, all right, so the, the next slice um I was actually thinking about this earlier in context. We're talking about all the different pictures of God. You know, he, he is our king, our Lord, our father, our brother, or, you know, all these different things as well as our husband. Um, and I was thinking about the king and it's, it's funny because, you know, you know, uh, Saint, you're, you know, you're a monarchist and I forgive you for that, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Kritarchist would be more apt. Yes. Even though I, I'm a functional monarchist, but a, uh, Cretarchus uh, purist, if I can. Yes, think. yes, uh, I, I I fall in that same boat. Um, which, for those who aren't in the know, Cretarchy is you know ruled by judges, which is yes. the original design for the nation that God originally set up. Uh, which, fundamentally speaking, a judge isn't all that different from a king. If you really look at it, um, and you look at the differences, then you really don't want those differences. Anyway. Yeah. True. Very. Um, true. But yeah. So aside from politics, which is another set of series of podcasts, of <laughs> um, one of the challenges that we face, though, is that scripture uses these terms of Lord and King. And particularly in our Western democratic <laughs> um, environment. Mess, nightmare. Night, mess, nightmare. Yeah, chaos. Yeah, etc. Um, we don't really have an idea of what that is. Like when you say, well, king of kings, yay, that sounds cool in a song, but what does that actually look like? What does that mean? Um, we, we don't really know. We have no practical experience in our day-to-day -day lives of interacting with a king or a lord 
we have like landlords, but we kind of just generally hate them. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, which and part of that's probably due to the, you know, the Irish and the potato famine, but um, uh, right. aside from the digression into history and how everybody hates England, but um, <laughs> uh, we have this picture. We, the, the thing is that there's this picture in the household too of marriage that um, the husband and the wife are the king and queen of the smallest unit of a nation. That's one of the facets of marriage is that they're creating a political unit um, and is their head of a household, which a nation is made up of households that are ritually united in service religiously um, to a deity. Uh, that's what a nation is, <laughs> um, which people have, you know, the whole idea of separation of church and state has kind of completely divorced our concept of and distorted our concept of what a nation actually is. But this is at its fundamental unit is this concept of the small, the domestic church um, as also the smallest unit of um, nationhood and the smallest political unit. And the husband and the wife are the king and queen. And uh, you know, the, the, the joke or the idiom of, you know, man's house is his castle is literal. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that, yes, that's totally it. That, that's, that's, that's what this is actually one piece of this, uh, which is lost in modern society, I believe. And with the, particularly with, you know, the kids being subjects instead of, you know, democratic other senators or something. Yeah. yeah. A, a yeah. kind of madness ensues. As, <laughs> as, as, that, was, that was one of the things I always remember my dad saying growing up whenever I'd be like, but daddy, go, <laughs> this is not a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I know my, my dad um, said, yeah, we, we can be a democracy. So how that works is each of you kids, you get one vote. And then mama gets the number of votes equal to all of you plus one. And then I get a number of votes equal to mama plus all of you plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, that, that, that doesn't work. For democracy, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've done that. This does not end well for me. <laughs> Dad, shocked face on. What? <laughs> so that's a no to the general election, then. <laughs> right. We're not electing the dog in charge. Uh, God appointed these specific people to have the role of king and queen, even if they are horrible at it. And that, that's something that like fits in with all of this because this is how God designed it to work. And we can look at it as like this ideal thing. Like we're participating in the holy duty of a sacred mystery of God. And, but mundanely, a lot of it is messy and broken and frustrated and a lot of cries and tears and blood and sweat. Right. It's very human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I mean, oh my goodness, God uses that. <laughs> God uses that so well. And so it's not about, you know, well, you're not worthy of being my king or you're not worthy of being my queen. Like, well, who cares? <laughs> this it's is about, role. guess what? This you're is the given. role God gave us. So this is the place we're going to act. This is how duty works. This is like duty is not a four letter word. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other episode, too. Uh, well, in that light, I'm sorry, you had more to go on. Ask for your opinion, head for it. Okay, all right. No, I was just going to say, in that light, just if I if I can um, <laughs> if I if I can be uh, anecdotal here, um, 
that's probably one of the ways that our marriage excelled was this idea of king and queen because why am I not there surprised? was never huh why am i not surprised yeah <laughs> <laughs> well there was there was just there was never competition between us about anything it was like ever about anything it was always like she could completely disagree and, and this is another thing we don't always agree politically we don't always agree <laughs> yeah yeah rarely do we agree politically <laughs> uh, we don't always agree theologically um you know she would be more um you know reformed and and of that vein and i would be more of that you know catacomb <laughs> catholic vein and we disagree vehemently on some things and orthodox yes yeah it was, okay yeah go, yeah that's i'm trying to convince her but you know um but anyway but it's like at the same time you know we've got no problem ever like if we went into a voting booth i'm like you vote opposite to me i don't care you know it's there was never any threat to our marriage to our home and i always knew and and you know i always know that at any time if i say well we're going to war anyway regardless of the of the descent she'd strap on her sword pull it out sharpen it and say i still think you're an idiot but here we go you know <laughs> i mean so there's there's always it's like okay that's fair you know to, if we're still standing when the battle's over you can tell me that again you know type of thing right but um but it just it, for us it was just it always worked because you know i had i have implicit faith in her abilities to run the entire house like like I'm like here. Here's the here's the bank accounts and stuff. Please tell me we have enough money. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know just stuff like that. I'm like I'm like I'm like please tell me you're hiding money someplace so that we have something because I haven't even been thinking about that. You know, <laughs> it's just that's been that's been our relationship since day one. It's just been more so. We came into this <laughs> as we're the same team regardless, and she never bucks if if there's something that I'm like this is what we have to do. Mm -hmm. She can disagree and think that I'm against God's word, but she's still going to back me because, you know, um, not sin, mind you, but she's still going to back me. And, and, and if there's otherwise something, it's, and, otherwise and, it splits I, the kingdom. yeah, well, it's, yeah, that's the thing. It's, and there's been things that I've paused because she was so serious that this is not something we should do. And I'm going like, okay, we're going to play it your way. Granted, I'm planning a backup plan in my head. <laughs> But, right. but I'm like, okay, we're going to play it your way and see how this goes. Because you yeah. may know something I don't. Because you're respecting yeah. each other and listening to each other, which is part of, because she's queen. <laughs> and you do that. Right. That's part of her sure. job as counselor. So, so, well, honey, Fiona, would you like to put anything in? <laughs> no, no, I <laughs> so, I do like the yeah, picture of her being objecting to you going to war because, uh, let's see, how do we put this? You going to war is a messy affair. Let's, let's go with that. <laughs> that's okay. That's fair, Robbie. She said she said she may or may not threaten to actually call you when I'm ready to go to war. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's the one way I'm reading through this list of you know looking at the notes and I'm like, ha, that's one we've got. We've got bingo. You know. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, that is awesome. All right. And then uh, well, last but not least in this list uh, is, you know, the one thing that actually makes marriage marriage is separate. Uh, the reason why all of these things are tied into this um, as opposed to, you know, friendship 
or something else like what what's the what's the distinguishing quality of this particular institution is sex that's like that's that, that's 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 the thing um and people like to try to separate sex from marriage is kind of like um uh separating like a word from its meaning it, it's like you can't do it, it, it it's not uh this it, it is its thing <laughs> uh sex and marriage is, is are synonymous effectively um as i mentioned earlier and the fundamental while uh sex is a an act of love and sacrifice um for each other it also has the explicit function of childbearing of creating um which doesn't explicitly necessarily mean that every single act of sex must only be done in a context in which a child could come forth that's not the logical equivalence there um though specifically trying to deny all possibility of having children is also kind of counterproductive to the purpose of sex. So that's a whole other issue though. But this concept of being creative as being images of God in his creative capacity, we see that in art. We see that in you know, telling stories and taking dominion over the world and you know, spreading Eden throughout creation, all these different kinds of things. We, we see, we image God's creative nature and all that, yes. But the one primary way in which we um, recapitulate, in a sense, God's creative act in creating the universe is through having children, through sex. Yes. That's, that's, that, that's the thing. <laughs> that is the picture that he set up in order to reflect that particular aspect. And so that's, I think that's one of the reasons why um, marriage is so powerful and so fundamentally, fundamentally and intrinsically connected um, to our relationship with God is because of how he designed that to work in that pattern. And so if you have, you know, a, a people, a people described um, a sex and marriage as both the thermostat and the thermometer <laughs> for the health of the marriage. And I really like that analogy um, because it is not the thing that fixes everything, but it is fundamental to fixing things. And it tells you when things are off. And so it needs to be part of whatever solution comes into play when you're fixing things that are wrong in the marriage. You can't just leave it off the table and not talk about it. <laughs> it needs to be a part of the solution in a sense. Mm -hmm. And what's frustrating, and we, we've talked about this before, um, specifically in the courtship episode, but how much we have turned it into a taboo thing, hidden it into the darkness so that only darkness has any say. And all of the perversions and the darkness and the messes that come out of that, which are specifically attacking the integrity of marriage. And it's, it's um, destructive, and I would even say an abomination, um, to hide it away in a way that leads to its destruction. So this is not an episode on sex, but... What do we have to say about it in context with marriage and what marriage is? Absolutely. <laughs> As real as all in here. It's always the male aspect of relationship that chimes in first on this one, isn't it? 
<laughs> which, which I think, I think is frequently the case. Not all the case, but it's telling. It says something about the way God God created. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> God and God initiated the desire for creation. <laughs> yes, exactly. We are created in His image. Created. It's, We're there to yes. be pushing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I thought it was interesting what you just said. I just had like my I, my brain just went like seven different directions when you were talking about how it's it creates its own abomination. I mean, <laughs> it, I remember and I cannot think of it now. So this is consider this an untried theory or speculation on my part because I can't remember. But I I did some study into the 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 words Satan used and the and the words God used in the Garden of Eden, the knowledge of good and evil, because that always struck me as weird, like. Yes. If that's, you know, the, the specific thing. But anyway, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, the word good and evil was not moral in its term. It was actually creation, destruction, and the, the entropy and creation, the, the ideas of the fundamental building blocks of the entire reality of what God created. Because wherever creation exists, the potential for entropy exists, even though it may not be realized in a perfect world, right? So um, within that, whenever you take the one element of human existence that is truly the closest to creation on the level of God and you invert it and infuse it with fallen nature and with the, the howling winds of, of what Satan brings in, the hungers, the, the gnawing biting that goes on with, with a hunger that can't be satisfied, you create a truly terrible monster. That's mm. going to consume everything it touches because it is creation darkened. Yeah. And it's going to consume life. I mean, that's you're creating anti-life is what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that it's so insidious in its nature, the, 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 the uh, sins of, of the sexual nature and the reason that we see them as so heinous. I mean, especially, I mean, even within our criminal justice system, you know, sexually based crimes i mean we have entire tv shows based off of those you know the svu unit just we're fascinated and horrified by that type of a crime Mm -hmm. and it has terrible i mean death is the sentence in much of the old testament for that um so i i think there's that heavy weight that creation in a union bears Mm -hmm. with it but at the same time um the shame that you talked about that is often infused and, and I, you know, there's, there's a whole man, you're right. That would be a huge podcast. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, cultural proclivities and terrible traditions aside, um, the shame that goes into it really detracts from the fact that God made, and, and I, I wish I could think of a better word off the top of my head that wasn't too, uh, over the top here, uh, but pleasure. I mean, we, we, we somehow, because we know our own tendencies to be hedonists, we look with almost this dread fascination on anything that in and of itself brings pleasure. And we forget yes. that it was designed to be good. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, yeah. as stated by God, good, that, that, that holistic, healthy, a singular element of goodness that can exist in something where God says and it is good, but um, and then reiterating the New Testament, you know, marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. Right, exactly, but and that word undefiled. Longer than adulterers, God will judge. Like this is like this. I made this perfect. I made this beautiful, 
twisting it creates abominations. And what you were talking about earlier about um, the destructiveness of sexual sin, there are specific sins. Um, in, in, when you look through the Torah and you're familiar with it, there are specific sins that are, you know, for trespasses about Israel that mm -hmm. the Gentiles around them didn't have to deal with. Like the Gentiles didn't have to eat kosher in Israel, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there were specific ones that applied to everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and some of them were explicitly said, you know, these are not only ones that I'm calling you not to do and people who are in you not to do, but every nation needs to also keep these. Um, because, you know, the people that you're wiping out right now, they did these, and this is why you're wiping them out. Right, right. right? So if you break these, the, it says the land is not only defiled, but it will spew you out. <laughs> you know, the, the land itself will vomit you out as a people um, if you contaminate it with these particular sins or this kind of sin. And those were specifically idolatry, sexual immorality. Yeah. Right. Um, and exactly. and you know, the devouring of the blood and the, that's and, and the, the innocent blood. Um, mm -hmm. as a third one. And so when you look at um, the ones that are reiterated for Gentiles in the new covenant, right? Uh, it says, what are they told that even the Gentiles must keep? You know, you don't have to worry about all these other laws and all this kind of stuff. But um, when you look at the ones that, you know, you think you could, that could be symbolic. No, these are real. You know, you still aren't allowed to commit fornication, <laughs> which is, you know, the yeah. term, we, we kind of mild that down to premarital sex. That's not what fornication means. Fornication means um, specifically all of those sexual laws that were listed in Leviticus, which yes. includes incest, includes, you know, it actually does include polygamy, um, includes bestiality, includes homosexuality. Um, all of those are included in that. And so you do those and you are putting a curse upon yourself. Mm -hmm. You're distorting something that is so sacred. One of the sacraments entering into evil, just like, you know, um, if you, you know, pollute the Eucharist, you know, right, you know, yeah. With condemning the first in, in first Corinthians, he's like, you know, you guys are some of you are sick and some of you are dead because you're not doing <laughs> it right. You're right. polluting yeah. the Eucharist, polluting the sacrament. That's not a good idea. <laughs> that's what it's like. You know, marriage is the same kind of thing. You're polluting this. You're twisting this. You're putting a curse upon yourself. Um, which is why you look like through through nations and you look at their rises and their falls when they are successful and prosperous. Their their national cultural ethos tends to line up with the family values that you see in scripture. Um, they value these things. And then when they start to collapse, correlates with when they start to accept these kinds of abominations. Yes. And typically, right. look at the pattern. Once they specifically accept them, once they start you know, committing abortion, that innocent blood, once they start accepting you know, homosexuality, homosexuality, these kinds of things, <clears throat> you know, idolatry, those kinds of things, um, they cease to exist within around three, three to five generations. Like as a nation. And here we are. Welcome to <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. <laughs> again, the cyclical nature of time. Yes. Yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh, what is that? The the gods of the copybook headings. I love. Oh, yes, thank you. Yes, poem yes, is totally. Just yes, totally. Excellent. One of but, our one of our most popular readings is that one. Probably possibly because it's also one of the shortest, but <laughs> this is fair. <laughs> but also in relation to this topic, and probably a good way to like kind of tie it all together is yep. again seeing it pop up like the very first thing that God says. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the New Testament, how this is the key, and like we talked about, the this is gonna be the culmination, this marriage. Um 
just a good center point, uh, Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Mm. And the last book, unless I'm getting my history mixed up, it's the last book, inspired book of the Old Testament, talking about of God's prophecy that God has won't speak to his people again until Christ comes. Until um, he talks to, oh, come on, Zacharias. Zacharias. Right. The, the end point in Malachi chapter two, where it's talking about the judgment God's going to have to bring upon Judah because of their faithlessness and how they've been abandoning their wives, the wives of their youth. But you say, why does he not? This is Malachi 2.14. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and the wife by covenant. And then Malachi 2.15. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God was seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Mm. And just, there's so much in that one verse. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that the point of marriage is godly offspring, but also this part that I hadn't realized before I was just looking it up, that God made them one with a portion of the spirit in their union, that Mm -hmm. God is literally a part of his spirit is in the union, just in the same way that he breathed the breath of life into Adam and made him a living soul. That's powerful. So God breathes the breath of life into this new union and makes them one. Hmm, that's powerful. And so that, that the point of this is godly offspring, which is the creation mandate. The be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it is tied in with marriage and with the unity that we get through marriage which is a bit more than a piece of paper yes (laughs) Uh, actually i think we should wrap it up there because that's a really great place to tie it up um, and encourage and exhort each other um, those of us who aren't married 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 yet as we um, pursue it as prepare to enter into it um, prepare ourselves for that crucible and those of us who are married as we prepare ourselves to continue in that crucible to um, pursue that sacramental unity with God through unity with our spouse uh, to glorify him not just in you know our mission together to you know conquest the world with the gospel but also to be Christ to each other uh, and, and to sacrifice for each other as, as, as living sacrifices, as, as you know, c- continual martyrdom, um, as kings and queens united together as part of the domestic church. Uh, we have this beautiful, amazing, divine covenant, this huge duty and responsibility that we are called to. And it is something that is uh, transcendent and sacred and glorious so to elevate that to uh, and encourage us when we are bored and annoyed and sweaty and frustrated (laughs) driving each other nuts um that we can uh push through 
So any closing thoughts, uh, Fiona or Azriel and or? I'm staring at her like, you got something? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I think that was a really lovely ending right there. <laughs> All I would say is don't, don't ever belittle marriage or think that let it daunt you because yeah, there's moments where it's going to be hell. Mm -hmm. um, but you learn that it's not about the experience. It's about the relationship because if it's about the experience, then you're in it for yourself anyway. Amen. And uh, it's a fun ride, man. Yeah. I, I think in some ways it's not as hard as we make it out to be, I don't know, in some circles, especially within the more conservative homeschool circles where we kind of study it and like how to fix all nice. the problems ahead of time. Yeah, dissect it to death. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I yeah, would say it's not that hard. It's life and we got to live it. I like that way of putting it. Well said. And, and for once, Azriel, you were more concise than I was. <laughs> All right, mark it down on your calendar. It'll never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robbie, take us out. <laughs> okay, so with that, um, just to tie it all together, Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made himself ready. And it was granted to her to clothe herself with the fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Amen. So whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.